This episode of All About the Birds is dedicated in the memory of Peter Samuelson. This is episode six of All About the Birds. I'm Johnny Uleka, uh, along with my co-hosts Phil Stifel and Jeff Warner, and we do have a guest, uh, former NFL offensive lineman Jeremy Bridges, uh, to answer some questions. A little bit, uh, do a little uh, football talk with him. Uh, this is also is a Yellow Jacket Media production. So what I'll do is I'll start. So uh, thanks for thanks for being on, Jeremy. Uh, we really appreciate it. Guys, appreciate uh, you guys. <clears throat> First question I'm going to ask you is along the lines of – we'll go offensive line with the Eagles. Andre Dillard, they drafted him, uh, left tackle last year. Um, Jason Peters played a little, uh, most of the game, 13 games he started. Dillard came in. Now this year is supposed to be Dillard's job. How would how do you, how would you say Dillard would be as a, a young offensive lineman, and say they were to bring Peters back like there's been talk? How would that how would that make a young offensive lineman like say yourself if you're supposed to be that guy, but then all of a sudden they say they signed the veteran that was that had your job last year? Right. Well, there was a lot of money invested. He went 22nd overall. There's a lot of money invested in that young man, and it is, he's not a slouch, right? But he's a baby. That's what we call him. He's a baby, and JP is the consummate pro. Um, you know, multiple Pro Bowls, 11 years with the, with the organization. And, you know, for management and as far as, like, the coaching staff, it's hard to replace the JP. It's hard to replace him, right? But we drafted his kid, so now we have to put faith in him. We have to show faith in him because if we don't, then we know how the Philly fans are. It'll be batteries flying all over the place. So, like, it, it, it's, you have to put this kid on the field. Now, he's not a slouch, and he's been under the tutelage of JP for a whole year. Right. He played a few games uh, at the end of last year, I think. JP had some injuries uh, for the last couple of years, and so that gave them a chance to get on the field. But, again, replacing JP is something that was inevitable. It was inevitable. It was going to happen. He's 38 years old. Uh, he's had some injury. It's just, it, it's just part of football. So if they bring JP back at this point, he's going to be a backup, to be honest, right? Unless he moves to right tackle, which is going to, you know, not happen because Lane Johnson's over there. So it's like... He's going to end up being a backup. And what a backup to have, you know? Um, well, you would said Peters is a backup. I had read a couple rumors and a couple uh, things. Uh, you know, how hard would it be for someone like Peters to slide over to guard at this point in time in his career? Oh, yeah. Easy. Uh, playing left guard for him would be no problem. It would be uh, easy. Think about it. Over. Take it from me. Now, I played almost every position in the, in the, on the offensive line in the NFL as opposed, uh, except for center. So, when we move in, as a tackle, oh, that's that's easy work, baby. Like that's that's slight work because the guy's right there. You don't have to go dancing and go try to find nobody. The guy is right there. So, oh man, it, it would be you know you're talking about strengthening your offensive line. Then you have him. Uh, I don't know who the left guard is right now. For Sam Malu. Okay. Uh, he's, he's been a, he's been a, he's been a starter. Am I right? Yeah, but I I, I think with him, what they're gonna do is because Kelsey's it's year by year with Jason Kelsey at center that. Sam Alo can slide and play center. They did draft him to kind of play guard, but to kind of slide in and play center. So he's not a real big bulky guy, but he could probably play center, which 
you know, JP, I think, could play another couple of years, and I think that's what he's what he's trying to do. No, but I think I, I'm, I'm almost certain he wants to get to 40 and still be in the league, which he's totally capable of. I saw the video of him working out. Uh, the feet are still nice and quick. Uh, as an offensive lineman trainer, this is what I do. I train young offensive linemen for pass protection, and I, I use him as one of the guys to to, to study right, because of the fact that he's always in a power position. Uh, you never hardly you hardly ever see JP get bull rushed, right? Because it's like being in the jungle and like you know when you when a smaller animal, a bigger animal wants to attack a smaller animal, they make themselves look bigger, right? So JP is always in a power stance, which 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 it kind of you know what I'm saying it, it it keeps defensive players from trying to bull rush him. So again, him being a guard with that power that he plays with, I think it'll be kind of natural for him. It might be a great move for him. It's kind of like cornerbacks that move to safety, like that. That's kind of what we're looking at. Now, they bring up Dillard. For some reason, they don't bring Peters in as the potential left uh, starting left tackle. Uh, they're both, right now, Dillard's starting as the left tackle on the depth chart going to training camp. Uh, he's a guy that struggled a little bit on the right side uh, when they put him at right tackle last year, and he uh, did perform up to par. Uh, and there's a little bit of concern if he couldn't play on the right side, uh, how can he be able to play left side blocking Carson Wentz's blind spot? So. I just want to get your thoughts. Like, is there much of a difference playing left to right? Or, obviously, you think he's going to be okay? Or is it, I will say, because uh, you break it down. There is a huge difference. And for the average fan that doesn't know or doesn't realize, it's a great question, man. Like, I played – left tackle got me to the league, right? But I didn't play left tackle in the league until, I think, 2009. I got drafted in 03. Uh, when I, was, I came back out here to Arizona, and I ended up having to play – on, I want to say it was Sunday night, and we were playing Minnesota, and I was playing against Jared Allen, right? He's one of my one of my guys to this day, man, but he had to learn that day because uh, I hadn't been playing left tackle. So they brought me back in 09. I was uh, with Carolina. I came back as a backup originally uh, because they had Gandy and they had uh, Levi Brown. So I was a backup, and Gandy had a sports hernia. Well, JBU up this week starting Oh, by the way, you're going against the sack leader in the NFL. Over the matter of me, uh, quick story before we get going. On, uh, so, so let me ask you a question first. There is a difference, right? There's a huge difference, right? Uh, it's power leg. If you can't, if you can't determine which which leg is going to be your power leg, and that's usually the difference, the balance, right? Balance going from okay, now my my right leg is my power leg, my left leg is not my power leg. It, 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 it can kind of mess with you mentally. But so back to when I had to start at left tackle for the first time in the NFL against Jared Allen. Uh, Wizard Hole was the coach, of course. So, long story short, he comes to me every day of the week. Right, of course, we're in stretch line. Monday, light day. Tuesday, we're not working. Wednesday, he comes to me. JB, we got all kind of packages we're going to throw in. A little help, a little body presence. Hey, right. coach, Wiz, keep all that. I'm about to whoop this white boy ass. That, that's what I told him, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> uh, so, you know, the next day, Thursday, comes around. He comes to me, hey, we got to uh, we'll this package today, this package today. Y'all, I know you're the meeting. I said, Wiz. I appreciate it. I'm about to whoop this white boy ass. Like, my mind was already made up, right? It was going to be a street fight because my technique wasn't up to par, right? I hadn't played left tackle in forever besides kind of just jumping in and practice, you know what I'm saying, which I would do time to time to keep myself sharp. Long story short, I played the games. I whooped that white boy's ass. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and the rest is history. But it is, it is, it's a change. Now, not so much for me, not so much a guard, but a tackle because there's so much space and again, it's about that balance. So there's a, a, a there's a difference. The kid played left tackle his whole career, right? And he wasn't one of those guys that was like, okay, 
coach in Washington was going to say, okay, I'm going to put it here, I'm going to put it here, I'm going to put it here. Ah, he played left tackle pretty much his whole career. You know what I'm saying? So he's a one-trick pony, but he's not. Though. He's an athletic kid. He just has to learn. Right? It's a learning curve. It really is. And you were protecting, what, Kurt Warner, I think it was. I looked I looked it up. So Jared Allen, not even a tackle. He didn't even uh, get a tackle. He didn't, he didn't get a tackle. He actually moved. Uh, <laughs> he, he went from, like, you know, I, I had to, like, man, I had to, like, because he, he was talking crazy the whole game, right? Uh, Reggie Wells, one of my best friends, playing left guard beside me. Uh, and, let, of course, the Reggie had been starting. So he had been going against Jared in competition in years, whatever, whatever, because he had been there. And for whatever reason, like, certain teams just play each other all the time. Well, Arizona and, and Minnesota play each other a lot, right? So he's talking crazy to Reggie. Like, who is this guy? Who is this? So finally he pissed me off. Right, I was just playing the game, playing hard at first, but he pissed me off. And then I don't know if you know, and don't think about me. Like when my mouth gets started, I, I just jump all the time. You see my head shaking, and it's a whole bunch of mouthing going on. Right, so probably I had to tell him, I'm like, look, man, I've been, I've been this is about the second quarter. I've been whooping this dude butt the whole game. Again, technique been kind of crappy, but who cares? You know what I'm saying? I've been getting the win, getting the job done. I told him, I said, we can take all this crap off and go outside the parking lot, and I'll whoop your ass too. Like, don't play with me. Don't disrespect my name. You know what I'm saying? So you know. By mid-third quarter, beginning of the fourth, he was over there messing with Levi, and I was playing with Greenway a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you were drafted in 03 to, for the for the Eagles, and you know that, that team was loaded with a bunch of veterans and a lot of talent, especially on the offensive line. Trey Thomas and John Runyon. Mm-hmm. D- during that year, what did you learn from those two guys? Those two guys were veterans; they've been in the league for a while. I was in awe. Because like, Juan Castillo was out here, uh, our line coach. Yeah. And all, Juan's a Mexican cat, you know what I'm saying? You know, one of the, one of the great great character traits in Mexico, they like to work. Hey, you know, so all Juan knew was work. But I'm watching these guys, pro bowlers, John Ray and Trey Thomas, Jermaine Mayberry, Hank Fraley, uh, Johnny John Wellborn. I'm watching these guys work, man. Uh, and they work like they've, like they're, like they're, like they're hungry, right? So that got instilled in me. Again, I train offensive linemen right now, and I use some of the things that I learned from John, some of the things I learned from Trey, a lot of things I learned I was taught by, by Juan Castillo. To this day, right, that's been years, buddy. <laughs> right? We're looking at 17, right? That's 17 years past. No? Like, and I'm still teaching guys things I learned from them to this day. Uh, I talked to Trey on Twitter. Trey was, Trey was always like a big brother to me, man. Uh, I was a little bit of a knucklehead when I first got in the league. And, you know, they just they took me under their wing. They saw the potential in me. They saw the, the, the fight in that dog. And, man, to this day, I love them cats. And they were the ones. Again, the consummate pros, man. You can't, you can't deny those. You know, it, it, I was blessed to be able to, to learn from them. And since... And- and since you've been on with us, you can you can let Trey know that we're we're good dudes. You know, I've had, I've, I've 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 messaged him too to try to get him on because I I love his he does his trench talk, and yeah. it's just yeah. he breaks it down and just it's yeah. you know it's great and, he, and he's hilarious too. So it's just like a, a good personality. I don't know. I'll, I'll bounce for you guys. You'll, Thank you'll you. <laughs> so you sat that pretty much that entire first year. Um, do you think? You learned more by sitting and learning from those guys than going into a different situation and just being thrown into the fire. Because there's a lot right. of different opinions on, you know, rookies, whether they play at first or they should lit, sit and learn, you know, quarterbacks carry that clipboard or not. You know, what about, do you think that experience helped you in your career or, or hurt Without you? No, I, I think being able to sit down and just learn, just learn how to be a professional, just learn the ways in the NFL because it takes a special 
young man to do that. And and there's not many guys that can. Uh, Jordan Gross is a good friend of mine. And I played with him in Carolina for three years. And we were bookends at one point in tackles. Jordan came in the league and he started, you know, he got drafted out of Carolina. He went in with a veteran group, started at left tackle, started at right tackle a little bit. and But he was mentally mature enough to get in there and get the job done. I was, again, rough around the edges, right? Then I had to gain a little weight, if you will. Kind of sore, but not really. But all the all the physical intangibles were pretty much there. It's just the mental, right? I wasn't ready to start in the NFL as a rookie like some cats were. So it benefited me greatly. Uh, you, uh, Jeremy, you played 10 years in the NFL. Uh, just one, I know you brought Jared Allen, was a guy that you faced uh, against. Uh, just wondering, who was the toughest defensive lineman you faced in your career? Oh, my God. Uh, you know, I played a lot of guard, and I had the, the pleasure of playing against uh, Brian Young and Leroy Glover right, when oh. I was in the NFC West earlier in 04 05. Um, there's no disrespect to nobody I played against uh, at defensive end. I played against Little Little when I was younger as well. Uh, but, like, those guys, because they were so crafty with their hands, I played against Warren Sapp when I was younger too. So, you know, these guys are, you know, all the favorites. They've been doing it forever. Again, crafty, older guys, pros, like, they're the definition of pros, right? So I could go on and on about guys that I faced that were just challenging. It was like, you know, you got to bring your lunch pail. And, but that's, that's the NFL, man. Like, no matter what we think of a person, when we see him on Sunday, like, oh, he's a bum. Nah, this guy is is a pro for the most part. And you got some guys that sneak in the frat, but and, and you know, and, and it tells on them because a year, year and a half later they're gone. But yeah, man, when I was in guard, at guard, man, I ran into some some hog dogs. Man, it was crazy. You know, a lot a lot of people will say, and you know, people, it's a opinion. Oh, he stinks. He's not playing well. But you have to think. You know, not many people make it to the NFL. Not many people play, you know, a hand, not but a handful of years. And yeah, okay, some people don't meet the expectations that you th- that you think that they should. But you know, they can say something that you that you can't. You didn't make it to the league. You didn't even, especially players who played in college and played against you know high competition in college and say they don't really make it too much in the NFL. But you know, they played at a high. You know, it's just. I, I always find it funny when someone says he stinks, he's no good, he can't play. Well, he can play because he made it. My thing is, I'll just say that, yeah, you're not, you're, they're just not meeting the expectation that people thought. Sometimes it happens that way. Exactly. Like, uh, like Hassan Reddick out here uh, from our Cardinals, man, uh, they drafted that kid high. Temple guy. It was, it was a cool draft, you know what I'm saying, because it was kind of a connection draft. Bruce was here, he's a Temple dude, uh, you know what I'm saying, and, and you know, that whole Temple connection. But they never put Reddick in the proper position. You know, he's an outside rush type linebacker, not really a cover guy. He rushes the quarterback. That's what he does. He, you know what I'm saying? So he's been out of position. And a lot of people, including me, is like, man, this kid Reddick, stay, you got to go. But he's just not fit for what we do on defense. Buchanan was the same way we drafted him. Like, you know, he's he was a hybrid type of guy, but he just never mm-hmm. stuck because he. I, I don't really think he could cover very well. You know, yeah. he, he could play in the box, but he wasn't big enough. Uh, so, yeah, some guys just are looking for the right fit. That's just like you look at guys that are that make Pro Bowls once they leave a team, you know. And I can speak for that because Arizona lets a lot of guys go and they go on and they do phenomenal things. Kind of chaps my ass a little bit. But, you know, it's, it's you know the honey badger being right there at the top of the list. But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you know, you, they just have to find.
find their fit and their niche. They find find a groove for them. And then some guys just flat out, again, they just sneak in the fret and then they get exposed and then next thing, next thing you know, you don't hear from them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's whole the whole thing with a confidence too. If you know they don't have the confidence, and something happens that they just can't build that confidence up, and it just it's gone. And just you know, it, it happens. It happens in real life with with people oh, yeah. who just go to regular jobs. It's yeah, it, it happens. Um, one question I have: O three. Now I think it was, I think it was tonight. Yep. Um, yep. They're replaying fourth and twenty six game. Mm. Now you were part of the one day for. You were a part of the the game because you were on the sideline. Um, right. You were a part of that team. What was it about that game and about that play and you know everything that went on on that game? How was that? It, it, it was just about winners. And you know, Michael Jordan said something that really broke me down. I almost cried when he said it. You know, the whole on on, on when he was talking about uh, the, the situation with Steve Kerr. I think it was, I want to say it was episode seven or eight. When it was seven uh, of the last dance, and he, you know, he was sitting there holding his hands, and he was like, you know, this is the way I played. If you don't play that way, then that's that's your that's you. Mm-hmm. These guys were winners, bro. Like, which that's one thing I appreciated greatly because I've never to date been a part of a losing program at that time. So, like, it was like nobody, even at fourth and twenty six, nobody really blinked on the sideline. We were just kind of waiting on the moment to happen. Right, and lo and behold, you know, what I'm saying Donovan does a little tap dance in the backfield. Brady shakes loose, makes the catch, gets up, throws the belt on, and we're moving. Right, the first down though. It was the first down. Sure, sure, sure. Still to this day, there's controversy. There's still argument. I I was never saying anything against it. Look, I I was right there. I saw the spot. I saw the line. I saw it. It was the first down. Put that belt on, Brady. Let's go. I was saying, how was uh, Freddie's uh, head after that game? Was his head from his uh, from an ego a little bit? Oh, it's it's kind of hard to tell because Freddie's head is always... He talks a lot. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I just remember going to chicken and pizza after the game, man, and just, it was just pandemonium in there, man. It was nuts. It was crazy. And then Freddie walked in and everybody went nuts. I remember he had uh, Jaleel White with him. That was his guy. Oh, he my God. You guys don't know who Jaleel White is. Yeah, Steve Urkel with him, his guy went to UCLA with him, and it was just craziness, man. So, yeah, Freddie, you know, Freddie's Freddie. You know, you guys know Freddie. You know, everybody loves Freddie. We all know him way too well. <laughs> you played with a lot of good quarterbacks, Donovan. Then you know, you you played with uh, you know Jake Delum, you know Kurt Warner, really great guys. Josh McCown, who had a great little run there at the last you know game this year for the Eagles. Anything, any who. You know your favorite quarterbacks to play with, but also any stories on any of them, or did you see McCown still playing at this point at a at such a high level potentially? Yeah. You know, Josh McCown, like all, I mean, a lot, all the guys. I mean, I played with a lot of quarterbacks. I yeah. played with Vinny Chester Verde. Oh yeah, that's right, Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to say Vinny. Uh, Vinny, uh, he what did they retire in 07, 06, Right, one or two, and uh, yeah. So I, I, I got I blocked with Vinny Chester Verde. You know, I can I can share that with a lot of great linemen. Uh, but as far as Josh goes, man, he's one of the most competitive dudes, athletic. Uh, you know, he had that swag about him. You know what I'm saying? He just didn't want to lose. Uh, he was, you know, he was the white guy that would be in the rec center with us, you know, playing basketball. You know what I'm saying? All season out here, lifetime fitness, get bucked. You know what I'm saying? He was that that consummate competitor, and he he showed it in everything he did. Kurt's the same way though. Like, a lot of people don't know that about Kurt. Kurt gets on that basketball court, and this. 
you know, it, all hell breaks loose. You know what I'm saying? As heavenly as, as Kurt is, all hell breaks loose. You know, so it's like, <laughs> you know, and then, of course, we all know Donovan. Uh, I, you know, me and Donovan still good friends. He lives out here as well. Uh, but Donovan is Donovan. He, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, a little arrogant, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, one of the, again, great competitors, right? Funny story about Donovan, I'll never forget this. We used to have what we call Get Swole Fridays, right? In the, in the, in, uh, the Wachovia. Is that what it's called, the Wachovia Center? Uh, That's Fargo now. Yeah. Wells Fargo well, okay. now. So the practice series is called Wells Fargo now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's so all we, called something like, different. Back in the day with the Wachovia, right? So we'd be in the Wachovia, you know, working out on Friday after our light practice. And we're in there hitting, you know, arms and chest, you know, pretty muscles. You know what I'm saying? We call it a penitentiary workout. So <laughs> we're in there getting it on, right? Climbing, right? We know we 400 pounds for us ain't really nothing. Like, you know, he's really strong men, right? So Donovan comes dipping and bopping in the locker room like he's always doing. He's got, he's got his earphones in his ear. And, you know, I'll just get up from, from doing four or five and trades there, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, Artist Hicks is there. And, you know, we, we, we doing our thing. Donovan gets under 405, no stretch, and does it about four times. And that's, four, that's 405 pounds, wow. people, right? That, that's four plates. And depending on what kind of bar you got, a two and a half on, on, on both sides, that's 405 pounds. He did it about four times, walked out. He looked at me and was like, you didn't think I was going to do it, right? Walked out, and that was that. I, was, I could totally see him with the finger. That's, that's what I do. That's what I do. I was like, this is a whole nother level of football. And, you know, Don, Donovan, because Jeff and I grew up, um, you know, basically the same age. So those years were our childhood. And watching – Donovan, you know, take him to the NC Championship game, and then we then they got to the Super Bowl, and it's just like that was what we grew up with, and right. you know, watching and Jeff and I will say it, Donovan doesn't get enough credit to what he should should get just because of what he did for a team, and you know, everyone's in love with you know all the backups that came that oh they played one great game, you know, make them the starter, but what Donovan gave them was something that has not been replicated since he's he left and he, he gave us hope yeah every Especially single after year those early late 90s seasons granted we were a little young at that time so we didn't don't remember it that much but i wasn't that young i i see i remember it you know <laughs> i'm a little bit older here you know you remember uh the bobby hoying years and all that type the mv the, the rodney mvp game season right 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 so donovan uh his career in philly was unreal right uh the question, of course, always arises on social media. Donovan can never Hall of Famer. Yes, he is. Right. Yes, he is. You believe that? Stats, stats, wins, uh, just what, like, again, what Jeff was saying, what he's done, right? NFC Championship, NFC Championship, Super Bowl, like, the things that he's done uh, behind center, phenomenal, all right? He's, he's, he's provided some unreal memories for the, the, the city of Philadelphia, man, and, and the team and organization. And he represented them well, right? He represented him well, so yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Will he get in first ballot? Probably not. Of course, he has no set, but uh, you know, down the line, he'll be in there without a doubt. Yeah, I took out my McNabb jersey, wear it all the time. Beautiful. <laughs> That's the first jersey I got. You know what I'm saying? When I got drafted, like I had a McNabb jersey, and I was kind of flying around the club. With it. First, the first <laughs> real one I ever got. <laughs> yeah, I got my McNabb still. I'm not, like I said, I got that, and you know, it's a, a lot of people will say, oh, they'll they'll rank the greatest quarterbacks in Eagles history. And of course they, they want to put Foles up there because he won the Super Bowl and Donovan didn't win the Super Bowl. But if you take the chunk of what everybody did in terms of the Jaworskis, the Cunninghams, McNabb, 
you know, wins for a short amount of time. And, you know, Donovan is definitely up there one or two in in my book, just for what he did. And, and even, even look at the weapons and what was given, you know, what, what he was given and he still exceeded expectations. Made people around him good, you know what I'm saying, and, and that's that's the mark of a good quarterback, a good leader. Period. He, he made guys around him good. Uh, I can speak firsthand and say that in practice, you know, it, there was an, a, a level of accountability that was upheld by the veteran players. Like you, you had to. Again, there was no sneaking in the frack. You you had to 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 show and prove. They had to trust you that, that they could go to war with you, and and then that was that's how it was. Man. But that's how winning occurs. Um, you know, all, all I want to say to you, Jeremy, was we really appreciate you coming on with us and, you know, giving us that time to, you know, do a little bit of talking about, you know, reminiscing and just a little, a little football talk now, especially with everything going on. Um, you know, really appreciate it. I will, we, we'd love to have you on the show, um, in, you know, future to get some. Definitely during the season, because yeah. it's going to be a season, trust me when I say. Uh, one thing I want to clarify for you guys, all right? Now, I love the city of Philadelphia. I love Philadelphia because you guys gave me my, my opportunity to play. Shout mm-hmm. out to Andy Reid. Uh, he brought me in the game. But uh, this whole Bird Gang thing, all right? <laughs> the, bird gang started, the Bird Gang originated right here in, in the desert, right? Me and Darnell Dockett started calling ourselves the Bird Gang, the team the Bird Gang, because of the dip set, Cameron and Jim Jones. And, 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 the, and the dip set called themselves the Bird Gang. So we started to call ourselves the Bird Gang. We fancied them. We loved, we loved the dip set. You know what I'm saying? 09, that was our thing. So, we, we, you know, you guys started saying that Bird Gang stuff on your Super Bowl run. I get it. I get it. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Congratulations, you guys won the, won the game. I picked you guys to win. Uh, That's good. That's so, good. Oh, yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? It's like, He's trying I, to win some fans over here. Look, I'll I rub some feathers, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Philly... Carolina and of course Arizona, man. Like got special place in my heart, uh, always because I played there. I bled, blood, sweat, and tears for those organizations. Man. Not so long, of course, in Philly. That's not not so long as, as Carolina, but for Arizona, like I played there for six years of my life, and uh, uh, that's why my allegiance lies in the desert, not just because I reside here. But yeah, man, it's a uh, it, it was a good ten years, and and I'm looking forward to what's next. Uh, what's next for me is I'm attempting to get into coaching and scouting. I'm trying to break into four knots. It's weird. Uh, but it's a big time who you know thing, right? So it's just about the right connection and the right opportunity, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. And, hey, awesome. more more power to you. We hope yeah. you you excel That's at that. Fun. And we know you, you, have the, you have the passion to do it. Uh, with with the how you talk, man, you absolutely have the passion for it. And yeah. hey, uh, real, before we go, uh, all the Philly fans out there listening, man, my, my, my Twitter handle is at you know me, B-I-G. That's the letter U, K-N-O-B-I-G. Uh, M-E-V-I-G. Follow up, man. I follow back. Um, follow um, the JV and Benny Review, my podcast. I got the shirt on. Uh, shout out to my guy, Benny, my partner in crime. And hit us up on IG, JV and Benny Blue. We'll probably, have, probably end up getting, having you guys on during the season, to be honest, because I know how Benny thinks. And I, you know you guys have a great group. So we'll. So what we do is we have a segment called State of the Bird Game, right? Okay. You got oh. Right, so it's every quarter, you know what I'm saying? So after four games, you know, so we do stay in the bird game. So I'm pretty sure Ben is going to be like, you know what? We got to get the guys on, you know what I'm saying, for a state of, oh, this is what we're going to call it, state of the other bird game. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, Arizona plays Philly this year, so we can always. I, do. I, do. I, do. I, do. I hope you guys come out. Look, look I got a 
I got I, I lived in LA for four and a half years. So, and I ran a, I was the first training director at LA Fitness, right? So I got a guy who's my master trainer, Philly fan. Couple couple young ladies that 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 were there at the gym, diehard Philly fan. So I know they're gonna be out here. You know, they already basically already told me without and without saying a word, they're gonna be out here because they will travel. So hey, we got to get you guys out here, man. You know what I'm saying? Because if you ain't never been out here, hey. It's, I don't know if you guys are married enough to, you know, they, the, the, the saying goes, you know, you come on vacation, leave on probation. So, but you got to come out, man. The, the stadium is oh, gorgeous. Like, you know, it's, it's a great atmosphere for football. You guys will love it. Hey, you know, appreciate it. I'm on the road trip, so I'm, I'm game to go anywhere. Yeah. I'm game. <laughs> road trip, let's go. I was you know, in Arizona once. It was awesome. Yeah, I got to go. But, you know, Jeremy, we appreciate it. You, you take care, you and we'll Thanks, we'll man. talk soon. Let's take a moment from a word from our sponsors. All right, uh, that was good. Uh, good piece with uh, Jeremy. He gave us a lot of insight there on you know his playing days and very uh, very good there. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on for the second part of the show is. The Eagle rookies, the draft picks, got their numbers assigned today. And a couple of them we already knew. Um, a few of them we didn't know yet, but Jalen Rager's number 18. Uh, Jalen Hurts is number two. Davion... That's the most selling jersey probably this season for the Eagles. Yeah, right? I, see, oh, I, saw, I saw he was top 10 already. Really? Um, Jesus. Yeah. Davion what Taylor, 52. Kayvon Wallace, 42. Jack Driscoll, 63. John Hightower, 82. Sean Bradley, 54. Quez Watkins, 80. Prince Tega Wanogo, 72. And Casey Two Hills wearing 56. So what are your thoughts? What are your first thoughts seeing the numbers? Now, of course, we knew a couple of them, uh, what they were going to be. But some of the other guys. I know, Jeff, you, you messaged me saying that. You messaged us saying that, oh, Bradley's taking Trot's number. Yeah, that was my boy. I was—I I know the Eagles. They typically there's even though there's numbers that aren't officially retired, uh, like like Dawkins or uh, McNabb in their Wall of Fame. Uh, I there's still some numbers I wish they wouldn't give out, but I understand. I would say certain players or in certain positions have so many numbers. So I would say the way the NFL has a certain position, they only have certain numbers, and with the camp having up to what 80, 90 people at a time now, there, there's going people are gonna have numbers. Uh, regardless, but I would say the one joke I had, I would say, hopefully this ain't a bad sign for Eagles fans uh, since the last 42 that I remember for, uh, safety having uh, 42 with Kayvon Wallace taking that number was Kurt Coleman, so I was the only bright side of Kurt Coleman, he had three interceptions against the Carolina Panthers, I think his rookie year or one year, so yeah. one little stat. But you so, forgot, you forgot Chris Maragos wore 42. Eh. Come on. I was, he's a special teamer, it's not like he's a guy that we really relied on, even though he's a, he, he's a Salt player for us, but I'll say right on the list. Eh, yeah. dumb. I'm not a big fan of what what people take. I, I just see jerseys I'm gonna have to buy, and probably the only two I might select. Hertz is gonna be one because who knows he might be your starting quarterback. Uh, Rager, he's your first round pick. Thinking Jeremy Macklin's old number 18, so I'll say he could be a possible. I might be able to find my Macklin jersey in the closet and retape it up or. <sighs> On it. Absolutely. Yeah, right? Yeah. Let's do that. No, I, I don't like get uh, excited about numbers ever. I don't see what the, the big deal is. I mean, 
yeah, some guys, maybe if their number's not retired, but even Trotter, is Trotter really to that level? Maybe. Well, this, really he was level. a Hall of Famer, but for our franchise, yeah. he's arguably yeah. probably. Yeah. I mean, I love him too. Three linebacker in our franchise, so the, yeah, possibly. The, th- the the thing is that you can't retire every really good player that played for you. Right yeah, now, Cunningham is not retired, but they don't give that number out. McCoy, they haven't given out since he's since he's uh, been gone to Buffalo, and then now he's with with uh, KC and stuff. So with KC, but they don't give twenty five out. They don't give twelve out. So some some players they just number nine for Foles they probably won't give that up for a couple of years. A Do they while. give twenty seven out? Probably not for a couple of years because it was Malcolm's number. So they they, they do that, but I always like it. It's something. Um, the one thing I like is it and it, and it goes back to Trey Thomas number seventy two on the offensive line. Just seeing big seventy two on the on that line It's just you always think back of that and it was Vitai was wearing it. Now yeah. Prince Tega Winogo gets to wear seventy two, but you need, like I said, like you said, you need to give some numbers out. You have how many players on the roster? You can't retire them all. So, but I kind of feel like a hypocrite. I I, I kind of you know was so against the the Hertz pick and whatnot, but I kind of do want a Jalen Hurts number two. You know, oh, I mean, look it, at you! It might be the next jersey I buy, but I'm like that's totally against what I said. Well, well hopefully it's better than the last quarterback that wore number two for us, Matt Barkley. Oh God! <laughs> well. The the thing He's is, still if, playing in the if, NFL though. If barely He's hanging on, a paycheck. but if you get a Hertz jersey, you need to take a picture and you're gonna have to tweet it on our page saying, and it's it's gonna have to happen. You're gonna need yeah, to do that. Absolutely, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I, I'm a hypocrite all the time, and I am perfectly fine when people tell me that. I change my mind every twenty minutes, so. Okay, well, like I said, once once I see the picture, it'll be a lot better. It'll make me smile a little bit and be like, oh, okay. We'll see if I can, when I can afford that. Yeah, okay. I'll make one for you. Okay. I'll get, I'll get some tape and just put it on. Just, you know, just do that. But, the um, days when uh, everyone had T.O. jerseys and just put duct tape for Jason Avon over an eight Jeff, do you have any Acres jerseys? I think I do. There you go. Around here. There you go. Put some tape on it. There's a Hertz jersey. Yeah, and, that's tacky. And if you, I'm getting a jersey, I'm buying a jersey. Okay. Okay. Uh, the other the other news that we had today, and Phil tweeted uh, retweeted it out, was looks like the Eagles aren't interested in Clowney. So, was it all smoke, or was it just someone trying to get more money? Now with the situation, I don't think he's getting a big deal. So, what 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 are I your guys' the, take on it? Honestly, we had to take that report. I know. There are he, the, the where the source came from. He was a legitimate reporter, but when you look at this dude's track record, he was like saying like Tom Brady was going to the Eagles, and there was like you you check that dude's track record over the past I think year or so. Anything he tweeted out or anything he officially reported, it was complete bush league. Like it never came to fruition. It never ever happened. So it could be one of those things that maybe he did speak to Clowney and he was trying to build up the interest in him. Uh, from other teams around the league saying, oh, hey, th- if this reporter tweets it out, I'll say we might be get, get into like a bidding war or some type of competition between teams for his services. But I'll say I agree. Cl- Clowney, Clowney blew his shot at getting any type of big money deal when he declined Seattle's off for the first time. So he, no one's going to pay him that type of money. But uh, no, Maybe next year he'll get it But yeah, if, if things get back to normal and all. But he's yeah, stuck it, where he's at. Getting if, if somebody wants to give him that $8, 10 $12 million, 
It's still, it's still a decent chunk of change, but yeah. I understand the NFL, a dude at his age, you want that guarantee, you want that somewhat long-term contract, because who knows, if he blows his knee week one, week two on a team, his possibly his career could be over, he's going to get a lower offer, but yeah. just the fact that the reports are, I understand the Eagles are in the cap situation that they are, and they're probably looking at different direction to provide depth for their defensive line with uh, Barnett and Graham being your starters, but if you have the opportunity to have a bring in a caliber player like uh, Javion Clowney, why don't you? I understand he's probably going to command 9 to $10 million, but we talked about on previous episode. he's a freak of nature. He's still a quality defensive lineman in this league. He's still playing at an extremely high level. For anyone that brings him on your football team, he's going to be an improvement to most football squads. And the, the thing is, they, you know, no interest, but you know, interest can always you know, come out of nowhere. Later later you wait, the longer you wait, into June, you know, he's not signed. It's 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 with it's with all these free agents that are still out there, even in the secondary. Like I just saw a report that Logan Ryan didn't sign with the Jets. It was just reported that it was getting close. So, you know, he's still out there. You, Eli Apple's still out there. You have other players, safeties, offensive linemen, you have other players, but they're not the caliber of Clowney. No, I, I, not, I agree with you. They're not the the caliber of Clowney. But, and like, and like we, I've touched in the past, a player like Jabal Sheard isn't the caliber of Clowney, but he gives you a certain role to. Is if if BG and Burnett are your starters, that there's there, there's a whole bunch of different things. If it winds up being that Clowney would take half of what he's asking for, and then you add incentives or something like that. Okay, I can think about I can think a little bit about about that. But I understand he's he's talented. Don't don't get me wrong, he's uber talented and he'll give you that type of production that you, you're not getting, but the only thing I could see is wait and see. teams and the Eagles are thinking they're looking at his stats and his production last year. He did have a career low besides the year that he uh, missed uh, Yeah, but he was he was hurt though last year last and he year. played through he played through it. But yeah. He still showed value, and he's still uh, on a defensive line that wasn't very productive in Seattle's. With Jerron Reed was suspended most of the year. Still double teamed. I'll say that's that's the thing. He still draws a lot of attention from opposing teams' offenses and their offensive linemen. With him and the rest of our D line, we have the best D line in football. Even arguably right now, some people feel we have the one of the best D lines in football. He just improves that. He gives you another uh, dimension. He brings you another aspect to Jim Schwartz's defense. And I would say it keeps the guys fresh. Like, like that's what I can think of. They don't see the they don't see the reasoning of giving a dude that money, especially when they're a type of team that likes keeping their defensive line and fresh. Not, these aren't guys that are playing uh, every single snap uh, on defense. So I don't know. And I, a lot of it is who's who's putting it out. And yeah, there's no interest. And and the the, the person who said that there was no interest on him, he went on a radio show. He's a well known. Uh, writer and he's can you know a former ESPN analyst yeah, so, so he's, it's, yeah. it's from a credible source exactly so that that is there they they know what they're talking about in terms of that but like I said anything can change no matter if you're not interested now or if you're interested a little bit later the longer you wait and Phil's uh, pointed to this the longer you wait the less it's gonna the less money you're gonna wind up Take it now. Do they wait and wait for you know mini camps to open up and somebody to get hurt and then it becomes where hey you need my services now, so I cash in then. Uh, 
I'll take this amount of money. But until then, until that point, when that point even arises, you're sitting there and you have no leverage. He might hold out, and I know this is very hypothetical and all, but come training camp, if an injury doesn't happen... Le'Veon Bell situation? Well, no, I was going to go in a totally different direction. I was going to go... The real fear for these GMs on giving out these big deals is they don't know with fans and the money and the salary cap for next year. I mean, this summer could change everything. Maybe they say by the end of the year, by the Super Bowl, fans will be allowed back in stadiums. So then somebody, maybe in the beginning of September, late in you know August, might be like, all right, the cap's not going to drop as much next year or if at all. So maybe we will feel comfortable giving him that deal and structure it in a way where it's not a big cap hit this year and all. So there's a lot of different reasons he could hold out till that you know, late August, yeah. you know, time frame. And same thing, like last year, he didn't get traded until August 31st. Exactly. So, and he wasn't... He traded for next to nothing. And he wasn't participating in doing anything because he was... No. He didn't sign his, his tender. So, it's, it's not unfamiliar territory for him to wait out and try to see, you know, yeah. the best situation for him to go to and, you know, where the money at, where, where the money is at. Because he's not going to get a long-term deal. He's basically going to get a one-year deal. Unless a team like Seattle or some team out of the blue says, okay, we'll give you three, four years. But until that, I don't I don't see that happening. I see him getting a one-year deal, and that's about it. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I know we're going to have a lot of news upcoming um, in the next couple of weeks and determining, you know, what, what all is going to be happening with, you know, you know they're making decisions on baseball, they're, they're going to try and make decisions on you know, basketball and what goes on with hockey, and then football is going to come in somewhere. So, you know, a lot of things down the road that are happening. So we just got to, so like I said, wait and see approach. But um, that's it for what we have today. Um, appreciate you guys coming on, and it was a great interview with Jeremy. He gave us a lot of things to uh, to think about. Uh, everything that I'm he glad said. Finally, some of McNabb's former teammates are coming up and speaking up on his behalf. I say I understand the city of Philadelphia, but I say always criticizing Donovan. But it's, I'm, I'm happy to hear uh, a former teammate of his that was uh, outspoken and uh, stood up for his uh, former quarterback. Yeah. I, I like a couple parts. Yeah, it's great to know somebody else is sticking up for him. It's great to know that you guys are McNabb fans because I've been a McNabb fan and thought he was un, you know underappreciated. And the one thing I've never heard anybody else, well, not anybody, but you know, not many of the the pros out there say is he thinks he's a Hall of Famer. And mm-hmm. you know that that kind of surprised me right there. I say I didn't bring it up to, with Jeremy on, but I'll say the one the one thing I think that's going to overshadow Donovan. Uh, or sorry, the thing that's going to prevent him from making the Hall of Fame at least in the first couple of years is the fact that the era that he was playing. You you get the quarterbacks that he yeah. was playing up uh, saying at that era with Brady, uh, with Breeze. Uh, you even have Eli getting a couple Super Bowls in there. So as uh, so you look at the uh, you look at the quarterbacks that he in the era he was playing in, he was a little bit overshadowed. So yeah. I, I did a lot for us in the city of Philadelphia. He has the stats for it compared to some other Hall of Famers. He uh, made it to the Super Bowl, NFC Championship, numerous division titles. I just feel he didn't. The voters, the voters, when it comes down to when you look at the rest of that era and the quarterbacks he played up against, it he, he he's mid, uh, middle of the tier at that point. Well, the 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 biggest thing is he didn't he didn't last as long as uh, his counterparts. But the other thing is uh, some of those guys are still playing, like Brady and Breeze, and Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger, Rogers. 
you know, they're still playing. But, you know... They the, all won Super Bowl, when, too. But you also have to look, though. Some of those guys came in two years after McNabb. But I get that. The game, I, I, the game when McNabb was in his prime, you know, from 2000, 2001, 2, 3, 4, 5, the game has changed so much to what it is now in terms of the passing. So you, you take into effect of, of what he did and maybe those those guys hopefully they play a couple more years because they're then they won't be eligible for five years and maybe McNabb can they're not he's not compared to those going up against those guys in terms of either they're in the ballot and he's in the ballot and they're gonna pick those guys over. I understand he's he, he's he's gonna have to wait, but in my opinion, his he career might, he might be a Carmichael situation almost. Yeah, but if if you had asked me, and I look at other quarterbacks who are in the Hall of Fame, and you look at. McNabb, I to me he's a Hall of Famer for what he did and what he did. But I know certain people. But like look, you said, I would say a lot of those older quarterbacks were in a different era of football. So I yeah, say most an era where it was mostly a run first league, where where, where it was a defensive style well, play. McNabb, I, he played in more of the passing time. All 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 I can say is you take. There's three quarterbacks. There's two other quarterbacks. You compare McNabb to these two guys, and it's. The comparison, what? I say Jim Kelly's probably one. Jim Kelly, Dan Fouts. Jim Kelly also made the four Super Bowls. I understand, but without Dan Fouts. And, 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 I, and I think the one thing that hurts Donovan's hopes at, at making the Hall of Fame is what happened after he left Philadelphia. He didn't pan out in Washington. Mm-hmm. Blamed out with the Vikings. I'll say that's where his career basically ended. So some people might feel it was more of the like it's sort of like how we're going to see how Brady is with with the Bucks. Was it? Is Brady the mastermind? Is Belichick the mastermind? Were they just great for each other? It's some of the similar situation with McNabb, whereas McNabb and Reed are always going to be tied together. Once McNabb left, his career completely fell apart. All all I say is, and and this could be a whole another show that we talk about. Oh, I'm pro and, McNabb. I'm not saying no, no, no. That. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm just trying to say the reason why he's not a football Hall of Famer or a guy that's going to get in probably within the next like five years. Or so. No, absolutely. No, I, I agree with you. But the thing I want to say is. We could have a whole other show on talking about McNabb, but not even McNabb, but talking about Andy Reid and look what he's look what he's done with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I I, I could I go. To ask Jeremy about him. I could I could go on and on about you know the 2011 season and the 2012 season and how he got a raw deal. But I said that's that's for another show that we could definitely dive into and discuss uh, discuss that. But you know until then. Um, Next show we're gonna we're gonna dive into. I have a 53 man roster prediction with a practice squad, so we'll go position by position with that and get um, you two to agree and disagree. I'm sure, I know there's gonna be a lot of disagreements, which which will be will yeah, be good. Looking at it, yeah. Um, so that'll be good, and we're gonna also have a guest uh, that we'll announce probably tomorrow. So keep keep um, keep your eye out on Twitter and Facebook. Um, we're gonna be announcing our guest to join us for that show. And all I got to say now, um, is it thanks for, thanks for joining. And you can follow all about the birds on Twitter at AAT birds. You can follow me at Johnny, U nine, three, two, two. You can follow Phil at beard and knowledge, and you can follow Jeff at Eagles pulse, Jeff. So and until then go Eagles. Birds.
That's how winning is done. Now get out there and do it.